Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to the next round on the Leave It in the Ring radio network of David Duenas. I'm your co-host, Steve K9 Kim, and joining me from the city by the bay where he left his heart, Golden Gate, Gabe Montoya. Gabe, we have a lot to talk about this afternoon. I got to tell you, Steve, I, I may have left my, my heart in that Rams playoff game. I'm still not quite over the magic season <laughs> that ended horribly. Um, but uh, we got a lot of boxing to talk about. We got a nice string of, of fights here. And this weekend, uh, we got a unification match uh, in, like, all of a sudden, a, a division that's, that's becoming, you know, very exciting. Uh, let's get to it. Happy Monday. Yes. Uh, round number one, we go to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. It was showtime, and the IBF welterweight title sticks with Errol Spence, the tough Texan, bludgeoning Lamont Peterson in seven in the co-feature. Robert Easter once again was very fortunate to walk away with his belt, winning a disputed 12-round decision over Javier Fortuna. Gabe, Errol Spence was as high as 25-to-1 favorite, Facing an inactive veteran with some miles on the odometer who had only fought once in about 27, 28 months. But sometimes, as I like to say, it's one of my mantras. It's not if you win, but how you win. Did he pass your eye test? Yeah, I mean, I think he just continues to, you know, I've, I've liked him since the Olympics, you know, even though it didn't go his way, and then, then it was reversed, and it was going to go his way, and he had that mental letdown, as he called it, uh, you know, even there, I just, he looked like he had a pro style, it would be a problem, and I really like, I like clean, precise uh, boxer punchers, or some ways he's a, he's like a, like Tito, he's like a puncher boxer, you know, boxes just enough to get a really nasty shot in there. He's e- economical. Uh, people talk about, oh, he really needs to work on his defense. And it's kind of like when, when they talk about triple G, you know, when a guy is aggressive and he moves in there, guess what? He's going to get hit. But when he lands the way he does at the, as, as flush, as precise, as varied, uh, and with all that leverage, uh, the way he does, like you called him in your column today, a two-handed buzzsaw, uh, you know, what's the problem? It's all action. Uh, maybe not a highlight real knockout, but, I mean, that was – I expected this to be kind of a heavy bag beatdown, and that's that's what it was. Peterson put on the earmuffs, uh, took way too long to get going, and uh, Errol Spence got him the hell out of there. The problem that Peterson has for a sound of fighter as he is and has been – He's really a 140-pounder, and even as a junior welterweight, he was never Mm -hmm. what I would call a plus puncher. In other words, it was very average in terms of his ability to pop and to thump. And one thing about Errol Spence, he looks very physically stout and strong. And I used the term stylish ruthlessness with Errol Mm -hmm. Spence because you're right. He's aggressive without being reckless, and it's entertaining, and he has a real purpose. And uh, I tweeted this on Saturday, and I wanted to get some confirmation to make sure – 
that I wasn't just drinking the Kool-Aid and being overexcited, um, being overwhelmed by the moment. But I asked Shadid Saluki at the Wild Card Boxing Club. Now, he's a trainer that's been around a while, certainly a man whose um, knowledge I certainly respect. And I said, Shadid, what do you think of Spence? He said, oh, I like that kid. He goes, that kid is very good. I go, do you think I'm nuts when I say that he has Marvin Hagler-like tendencies or qualities? And he says, no, he absolutely does. They're both southpaw. They have both solid, fundamental, grounded skills. They're very sound. They box at a steady pace, and they ramp up the aggression and the pressure. And they have a bit of a mean streak at the end. I mean, I have to tell you, I felt bad for Lamont Peterson the last six, seven minutes of that fight because – Listen, he was trying to tell Barry Hunter, you could play Captain Hook here at any time. I'm not going to argue too much. And you know what? I thought Barry Hunter did the humane thing and the correct thing by pulling his guy out of there. There there seems to be this assumption, Gabe, that even though Terrence Crawford, for as talented as he is, and he's certainly one of the blue-chip elite fighters in the sport, that he's automatically the best welterweight in the world as soon as he dips his toe into this pond. No one told Errol Spence. I'm not convinced that Errol Spence wouldn't win that fight at 147, Gabe. I I, I would pick him right now. I, I just he's hmm. a strong man, and I think he'd go to 154. I think it'd be a tough fight, you know. But we don't know nothing about. Uh, well, I'm, I'm doing a playset in the 40s uh, as a, playing a gangster. I'm starting to talk like it. Uh, that was a double negative. Uh, you know, at, at, at this weight, 147, uh, Spence is the man. And to me, he's kind of like Tito. Uh, he's going to be racking up those defenses. Maybe, you know, it, it's to everyone, they, they think he's like the kid. But like you said, he's in his physical prime right now. Uh, the key is, will Al Heyman let him fight often enough? Or is he going to have, like Tito did, have that, the, the Don King shackles on him, not get the fights that he wants, uh, not get the activity that he wants? Uh, that's the only thing holding him back. Uh, but I just don't – I think he knocks out or you know, beats down Keith Thurman. Just got better fundamentals, and Thurman doesn't fight often enough. Everybody in that division should be afraid of Errol Spence. Gabe, speaking of Errol Spence and his schedule, uh, Showtime and the PBC will be rolling out an announcement of fights for the upcoming months in the spring. And, and I'm being told that Errol Spence will be fighting in May or June, could be in Dallas – I think he has an IBF mandatory due, and that could be a homecoming fight. He's not exactly facing King Kong or Godzilla. But, again, if you make it a homecoming event, uh, I'm not so sure the locals will really care all that much. They just want to see a world champion performing in his backyard. And, yes, you talk about Errol Spence, 28 years old. He is right now in the wheelhouse. Seems to be a very dedicated and focused young man where boxing is the number one priority. I think he's here to stay, and I think he's here to stay for a while. And the bottom line is very simple, Gabe. Hmm. Spence Crawford, do I think it needs to be made immediately? No, it probably does need to marinate a little bit, and you still have to work through a lot of political hurdles involving networks, promoters, advisors, and alliances. But again, the sport is now facing a litmus test. Can we get fights of this nature done? Um, Gabe, is it you or me? But is Robert Easter, has he plateaued? I think you can make an argument he's 0-2 in his last two fights. Yeah, yeah. Easter, uh, I thought kind of, he didn't lay an egg, but uh, you know, it, was, it was not, I thought Fortuna won. I, I felt like he brought the fight. 
I thought they were fighting his kind of fight on the inside. I thought he got better of it. He did get hit, but again, you know, when you go all in and you're aggressive, like um, you're going to get touched, but I thought he landed some good shots and, and wobbled uh, Easter at one point. Uh, it was late, like in the, maybe the fourth. Um, and he just, he didn't look great. It was, I think he left some things on the table, uh, but I thought the ref was over officious as well. That early point that he took away, it's just the way he was, Anything that, that Easter or that Fortuna did that was borderline got a warning. And, you know, Easter went low and he'd, he'd get a warning, but he didn't get action stopped and pulled away and uh, a talking to. It was very clear to the judges who was the man uh, to score for and who was uh, uh, Fortuna. Robert Easter is a tall guy who has no idea how to box tall effectively. <laughs> he is absolutely yeah. lost on the inside. This is not Paul Williams. This is not Jared Hurd. He got nope. mugged by Fortuna. But we have to put an asterisk by the performance of Fortuna. Yep. Fortuna didn't make weight. And I've asked this of trainers and people that have gone through the process. When one guy stretches himself and dries himself out like the Sahara Desert to make weight and the other guy doesn't, there is an advantage. And Robert Easter, it can't be easy for him at 5'9", five, 5'10", 135 pounds to make weight. Javier Fortuna is a 130-pound guy who wasn't overly big in terms of size or stature at junior lightweight, and then he came up with the all-time worst excuse when he said, well, it's cold out there. (laughs) Oh, have you heard of a sweater, sweatpants, turning on the heat? Because I have to say this right now. I'm not in Javier Fortuna's body. But by my experience going to gyms in the winter months, and again, we're not exactly in Antarctica here in Los Angeles, when it's cold outside, gyms are actually at their warmest because they shut the windows down, they turn on the heat, and yep. it's actually very muggy and humid, and it's the best time to sweat. Uh, I, I'm it's sorry, I, I don't buy that excuse. And, yeah. But I do think going back to Robert Easter – I thought at one point he was a stylistic or physical threat to Mikey Garcia or maybe Lomachenko. I don't see it anymore. I'm off that bandwagon, Gabe. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I I don't – I still think he's – you know, he's not like an easy out by any means. But unless he starts like, you know, I don't know, watching a bunch of Tommy Hearns fights and starting to figure out, you know, uh, how to box as a tall man – uh, work that jab. I mean, when he started to get it going, there was times when he befuddled, you know, uh, Fortuna. Um, I think that's, you know, in some ways what got him to fight, but it's not enough. Not, you know, uh, he just decided to go to war with a guy that was five, six, but like you said, you know, how, how are you going to be five, six and, and not make weight against a guy who's five eleven and makes weight? Uh, it just shows, I don't know, a certain mentality or uh, I don't know, just you, you blame his team for that. I mean, you know, we know the, the hot bath method, how could you not just go lose that weight? And how do you not have a scale that's accurate? How do you walk up to the, you know, it must've been indicative of something else besides the damn cold. Uh, mm. Who do you like for Easter next? Is it a tune up? Is it, is it, what do you think he should do? I have no idea. Um, last year was not very active for him, but I, I think the point that you made about his team, yes. Is there a training or teaching issue? Absolutely. I, I think that needs to be looked into. Uh, I read where he's not with Mike Stafford anymore and his father has taken over. And I yeah. wonder, what type of work are they getting in the gym? What is the caliber of sparring partner? And is the truth being told? If you look from objective angle at Robert Easter Shafikov and then a fight against Fortuna, 
if you really were going to be a Bill Belichick about this and look at this cold, hard truth and clinically, if you're honest with yourself and your team, Bunny, you're not happy with the last 24 rounds. That, that's if, again, if you're looking at this honestly and objectively. Moving on this Saturday night from the forum, HBO and Golden Boy Promotions kicks off its 2018 campaign for the vacant WBA welterweight title. The Machine, Lucas Martin Matisse, takes on Tiwa Kiram from the land of Thailand. And for the WBA lightweight title, Jorge Linares takes on Mercito Hesta. Gabe, this Thai fighter, Tiwa Kiram, I like him. I, I do. I, I'm not saying he's going to be Sikrasat Sorung Besai. But he's tall, he's rangy, he's got some Victor Postal-like attributes, except he's a front-foot fighter who's pretty aggressive. And again, a lot of miles on the Matisse odometer. I think it's a pretty legitimate fight, Gabe. I've actually put out, not the upset special, I have not ordered that yet, but I have put out an upset alert because I think the number is really, really heavy on Kiram. Yeah, I mean, you you look at him, I was watching a, a few of his fights today, and... and uh... I saw you and, and, and Doug Fisher were both saying this is a real fight. This is a dangerous guy and real heavy hands, uh, thick legs. You know, obviously the, he's got 28 knockouts and 38 wins against zero losses, zero draws. Um, it, you know, he, this is his first fight out of Thailand, right? Uh, so we're going to find out if, if he's one of those guys like from South America that he looks great on paper and he comes up and, and gets the hell knocked out of him. Or if he's, you know, one of those guys like uh, like a Colombian hitter that comes out and, and is the real deal. Uh, Thai fighters can be in great shape. Uh, he, he looks like he's got a nice engine on him. A little slow, but his technique is solid. He does a little bow and arrow uh, when he jabs. Uh, we're going to see what, what Matisse's shape is like, you know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you saw him in the media workout. I was, I was uh, texting you about that. Uh, what did you think of what you saw? I mean, I know it's, it's a media workout, but still. Yeah, the stuff that he was doing with Joel Diaz at the Indios Boys and Girls Club, I was there January 11th, and I have to tell you one thing about Matisse. He's in very good shape. Legs look very stout. He looked happy to be there. The energy level was very high, and they worked a lot on head movement and getting inside that jab because if he's going to have to close distance and suffocate Kiram just a little bit, going back to Kiram, you're right, 38 fights, 37 of them, in Thailand, all of them in Asia, you wonder, how will he do on the big stage? Is he going to freeze like little Cindy Brady when he was on that game show where she saw the red light? Or is it going to be like <laughs> Sor Rungbasai and just say, you know what? It's two guys in a ring. One thing about Thai fighters, they're a lot like these African fighters that come from like Accra, Ghana. Technically and fundamentally, they're not always – the sharpest, most elegant, smoothest fighters, they have flaws. But from a mentality and temperament standpoint, they're hard people. They are well-conditioned. Yeah. They are hard-nosed because a lot of them, listen, they're not going to private school. They have to work their whole lives. They don't eat a lot. And they are literally trying to fight their way to a better life. I get the sense that's what Tiwa Kiram is, and we don't know – where is Matisse? Now, I was actually very impressed by what I saw of the machine against Emmanuel Taylor on May 6th. But go back to three, four years ago, Gabe, and I think you were still out here in L.A. I told people, I thought Johnny Molina with his heavy hands would give Matisse hell. 
And that's precisely what happened at the StubHub Center, I believe, in 2014. Hell of a fight and a lot of miles. You know, just a, a just a brutal, savage battle. And and the you know, Roslan Provodnikov wasn't exactly uh, you know square dancing. Uh, that was a brutal fight. Uh, so you know, is Matisse, who's ten years older, he's thirty five. Uh, Kiram is is uh, twenty five. Uh, you know, is it, it's going to be incumbent on the on the younger man to push the pace a bit. Uh, to, to get Matisse backing off and, and to get him to use all that movement that he's working on and tire himself out in the first half of the fight. You know, and uh, if the kid's real and, and, and you know, we're going to find out about his chin at a world-class level, uh, but you know, then we've got ourselves a fight, uh, but he's a, he's a natural welterweight and, you know, Matisse was a, a junior welter and then, you know, he's moved up. Uh, that's maybe a key factor here too. The kid, he might be fighting a junior middleweight on fight night. Yeah, and by the way, I didn't know Thai people could get that big. I mean, literally, <laughs> I've always thought they kind of topped out at 126 pounds. Uh, Mario Lopez saw him a couple of weeks ago at the wild card, and he was astonished over how big this guy is. And like I told Mario earlier today when we were taping the three-knockdown rule, this fight's going to come down to one thing in terms of how competitive and exciting it's going to be. When Kiram gets hit smack in the face, or the body, the first time by Matisse, who still has heavy hands. If he doesn't fold like a lawn chair, there's going to be a real fight. Because just looking at the box wreck of Kiram, as I like to say, he's faced a lot of flotsam and jetsam, been soft matchmaking. Uh, but uh, over time, you learn by osmosis. That's the way they do it in Thailand, and they produce legitimate world-class fighters with that formula. Gabe, I think it's it for Mercito Hesta. You either put up a hell of a fight, empty the bucket, or forever hold your peace. Uh, I think Linares should win the fight. There's a reason why he is a heavy favorite. But with Mercito Hesta, can he show you anything more than he has in the past? I think that's the big question. It really is. You know, he... uh... You know, he looks the part, man. You know, great muscles. He's got the tattoo. He's got the, you know, the look. We thought he was going to be the next Manny Pacquiao, but he's like a like a sports car that's only like a four-cylinder, you know? <laughs> oh, uh, Gabe, Gabe, he ended up being the next Pacquiao, all right. It was more Bobby than Manny, though. That was the problem. <laughs> yeah, so maybe he is who he is. Like, you know, are we wishing for a guy that, that just has never existed and will never exist? I, I don't know. Uh, but it's now or never. And again, he's the younger man. Uh, you know, he's 30, uh, but he's got a lot less miles on, on the 32-year-old uh, Linares. Um, and, and, you know, he doesn't bleed the way Linares does and doesn't uh, fade the way Linares can if, if he's pushed. Will he push? That's the thing. Freddie Roach told me this morning at the wild card, he said, Steve, we're going to be aggressive. That's what I want. And I said, well, Freddie, if he's not aggressive enough for your taste, will you go to the whip? He says, absolutely. Because uh, I think they realize if they're going to box safe and cautiously and try to just peck and paw, the thing is he does not have the range or the distance or the overall boxing acumen of a Luke Campbell that could make things difficult on the outside. Mercito Heston needs to understand one thing. If he ever wants to go back on HBO and earn real money, because truth be told, when Golden Boy tried to sell this fight several months ago, Peter Nelson was not having it. And he's got a choice here to make. Whether you win or lose, Mercito Hesta is either going to be back on big stages, on pay-per-view undercards, 
at least undercards on opening bouts on HBO Boxing After Dark if he fights with some passion, or if he doesn't, he's going back to the Belasco Theater or fighting at 3.30 in the afternoon in front of the beer vendor, peanut vendor, and Graham Houston in the local state commission. He's got 36 minutes to really make up his mind where does he want the rest of his career to go. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you only get called up so many times, you know, like you say, next man up. Uh, and, and that's, he's got to, he's got to bring it here. Do you think it's on Lenatas to be, uh, to be entertaining a little bit? Yeah. You know, that last fight was a bit of a chess match. It was a fencing match, which, which in itself could kind of sort of be entertaining and enthralling. But again, if you want to be a ticket seller, if you want to state your case, and my understanding is, as they say, plenty of seats are available. If Lenares really wants to cause a buzz and put any type of pressure or for the public to say, hey, we want to see this guy against Vasil Lomachenko or Mikey Garcia, again, uh, I'm consistent here. He's one of my favorite fighters, but that last fight, it, it was more of a fizzle than anything else. You've got to be able to create that buzz and how you win is absolutely important. Moving on to a couple of news and notes before we get to the Twitter timeline, and yes, the president is on board. Gabe, uh, February 24th, Superfly has its third broadcast fight on HBO. The IBF flyweight title of the world, Donnie Nietzsche, will take on Juan Carlos Revico. And Gabe, last week I spoke about the situation involving Elidor Alvarez. Well, it looks to me, according to Bob Arum, who's telling everybody this, including me, I think Mauricio Suleiman had enough of those shenanigans. Alexander Govozic will fight Mehdi Anmar on March 17th on the ESPN show from the theater at the Garden. And the winner of that will then theoretically be mandated to face the Stevenson-Jack fight, which I believe will be announced in a couple days by Showtime. Gabe, if you're Elidor Alvarez, you cannot be happy with your brain trust. How could you be? You know, I mean, it's why else are you in the game but to win titles and to make money off of that? It just makes no sense. I just don't, I just don't and, get it. And, Gabe, last week, a couple of days after we went off the air with our last show, it was announced that Sergei Lipinets had a busted right hand. And I, and I had a picture of this a couple of weeks ago, and I said to myself, how is that guy going to fight February 10th? Well, I think they made the right move. The fight is now March 10th at the Freeman Coliseum. Mikey Garcia, Sergey Lipinets on Showtime. That whole card has been shifted over to that date. But, Gabe, it raised an eyebrow when I saw some interview and someone tweeted it to me where Mikey Garcia said, well, by the end of the year, I want Errol Spence at welterweight. Gabe, I'm sorry. So let me get this straight. You're going to go up to 140 to fight Lipinets, pretty solid fighter, and then you're going to go down to 35 – to supposedly face Linares and then jump right back up past 40 to 47 to face Spence. As Aretha Franklin once saying, Gabe, who's zooming who? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really understand Mikey's plan. Maybe it's because he didn't, he doesn't really have one. I, I don't know. But you know, you're just calling everybody out. Just plant your flag somewhere and just start taking people out. That's why I love about Errol Spence is it's a now it's ridiculous to call it, but it is like a throwback. Like they're like Triple G. These guys plant their flag in a division. I'm the man here, and anybody that wants it, you know, I'm going to collect all the belts, uh, and and anybody who wants a piece of this, come get it. Uh, I like that. That's it moves the sport forward. This is all 
I don't know. I don't know what Mikey's doing. But is it is he Floyd now? Is he Floyd yet? Yeah, he he's become the master of clickbait, and I'm getting a sense that even the people on Twitter is like, wait a minute, Mikey, the stuff you're saying. It just, again, um, seeing is believing. All right, let's get to the Twitter timeline. Later on, we'll have the fight preview, uh, fight review, and news and notes still to come. And again, we're on for at least 90 minutes, going all the way up to 9 p.m. Eastern time, if need be. Our first tweet, of course, comes from Andrew V. Kennedy, the president. He says, guys, most people seem to think Spence is the real deal. His balance and the way he attacks his opponents passed the eye test for me. Yet something he is stiff and not really that skilled. Uh-huh. Sound familiar? Cough, triple G. Also that he might be juiced. What say you guys? Well, Gabe, again, I hope he's going through some sort of drug testing protocol. I know there have been some rumors out there. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Is anything possible? I guess, but... I, I just think, that, again, it's just easy to finger point, and I also think it's very reckless just to throw accusations out there. Yeah, it's, it's um, I don't know, maybe it's boxing's uh, original anti-doping sin. It's what Floyd did to Manny. No proof, but I want yes. to smear your name and make it synonymous. I don't like that, uh, you know? Uh, you notice, I, I, don't, I don't do that. I, I don't, if I'm speaking about somebody, it's probably because I, you know, uh, maybe I know something, but I try to stay away from speculation like that. He's never failed a test. And, you know, I guess you could say that about Manny uh, at the same time and say, you know, and then start attacking the whole testing thing. But, uh, you know, the IBF doesn't have a clean boxing program, so he's not, he's not in a program. But I think it's incumbent on maybe boxing media, because the only ones that have, uh, particularly ones that have access to Heyman, is to ask him about that Olympic uh, uh, testing program that they were going to do. Uh, where is it? How many guys yeah. are getting tested, you know? Um, and by the so way, yeah, me and you spoke out about this yesterday, <laughs> how action fighters today have the temerity to actually get touched by their opponent, who are also, last I checked, highly skilled professional prize fighters, that they are now one-dimensional. That's like the new stigma, that if you don't stink out the joint and bore people enough, you're not skilled as if somehow hitting somebody and being entertaining is not a skill in itself. Errol Spence, to me, if you don't think he has skills, I don't know what to tell you. If you think he's one-dimensional, then Golovkin's one-dimensional. And by the way, that's what a lot of people say. And as you pointed out yesterday, Felix Trinidad one-dimensional his way to Canastota as a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and there were there were guys that that stuck their nose in there, you know. They, they, look where they keep their gloves, like right there at their chin, uh, right near in like just perfect economical punching range, and to get all the leverage, great balance. But they they're gonna get hit. Errol's gonna get in some wars, and I can't wait to see them. You know, sort of like with Triple G. I think the the Canelo rematch is gonna be even more of a war uh, type of a fight. They they both have to step it up in order to to make it be clear, and that that's what we want. Uh, I just. Uh, you know, we saw Floyd in, in the feints and the moves, and and even Hopkins in the back end of his career. Uh, you know, the veteran tricks. Uh, I want to see some action now. That's just me. Gabe, according to some of these fans, in basketball standards, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one-dimensional. All he had was a sky hook. Uh, I mean, give me a break. Uh, here's a tweet from I am very feel at Derek J. If you could choose one of these fights to happen this year, which are you taking? Crawford Spence, Loma Mikey, 
or Joshua Wilder game. I'm going to go with Loma Mikey. I think that fight's right there to make. I think it's the perfect timing for both men. Crawford Spence, I still think, needs to be marinated, and I know people hate that word. And Joshua Wilder, um, again, major heavyweight fight. I would just rather see Loma Mikey this year. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very makeable fight. Uh, why not? You know, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe Bob doesn't want to want to risk it, uh, but but I think it's it's winnable for Lomachenko. I think the chips would be in his on his side. Mikey's feet might be, not be able to keep up. Uh, you know, just to backtrack to that last question, Steve, um, Errol Spence was tested five times in the first quarter of this year by USADA, hmm. according okay. to their website. So. You know, mm-hmm. people could do a little research, too. It just took me like 30 seconds. So there you go. Um, here's a question from Fernando Barbosa, whose Twitter handle right now is Stevenson versus Jack happening? Two question marks. He says, can I take my name off now or should I wait until Wednesday? You know what? Let's not jinx this, Fernando. Let's wait till Wednesday. My understanding is that Stevenson's having some immigration issues related to his past legal troubles. I think that fight's going to be in Canada. And quite frankly, Gabe, hmm. he is the champion, and, and that's where the fight draws the best, is it not? Yeah, I think it makes sense there. Yeah, why why do it anywhere else? That's that's interesting. I, I'm wondering, you know, if if, if the the tightened security at our borders on both sides, um, if that's going to start affecting boxing in some ways. You know, guys getting well, I know this. And all that. Well, last several years, fighters trying to come from Mexico, uh, even as opponents, there have been issues. I, I've talked to a few booking agents and matchmakers who have told me uh, the days of bringing up Jose and Julio and just getting them a fight and then sending them back, much more difficult the last several years. Uh, Rodney Amadeus, word to Falco, says, when will Mikey call out Canelo and then Anthony Joshua? And how long after that will you say both are ducking and that a deal couldn't be reached with either promoter? See, Gabe, I told you people are getting a sense. They're not believing Mikey anymore. He's kind of becoming the boxer who cried wolf. Do you think he played himself getting into this kind of free agency? Or that you know, or do you think he, uh, the PBC, their, their pledge kind of played him, and he thought they were going to be more successful than they are, and now he's kind of twisting in the wind? You know, that I don't know, but if you're going to be an independent guy who does not have a dedicated promoter, you have to be, in my view, the level of a Floyd Mayweather in terms of marketability or market value. Gabe, is he anywhere close to that stratosphere as of the beginning of 2018? No. He doesn't fight often enough. And, and you know, you can collect belts all you want, but it's about creating moments and creating events and he hasn't done that yet. Here's a question from at Hamanites. If Crawford beats Pacquiao, does a fight with Spence become a pay-per-view fight? Gabe, I think a fight at that level to satisfy the financial demands of both fighters, if they're properly developed, which I think will happen, and the fact that how you get around the network divide is pay-per-view. Because if you look at Lewis against Tyson, and that was a shared pay-per-view. Pacquiao Mayweather was, in essence, a co-pay-per-view. So in situations where there are competing alliances and factions, people may hate it, but pay-per-view actually might be the elixir. Uh, 
Anyway, uh, Gabe, I don't know if you oh, are I'm, muted or not. And Gabe, yeah, uh, um, Gabe. Go ahead. Yeah, do you think pay-per-view is the answer? Yes, Even though certain fans are going to absolutely hate that? No, it's, it's what it was created for. Uh, you know, I, I think it's the special event. Uh, that's one thing I'll, I'll give Al Heyman is he hasn't inundated us with a, a ton of pay-per-views. He's, you know, done a bunch of other shit that's totally damaged the sport, but, uh, but he didn't do that. And I think, you know, that, that kind of fight to, to bridge the gap, it, it, like I said, it's what, it's, it's what it should be for. And here's one from Masur Guan Xiao or whatever. Why is Anthony Joshua <laughs> fighting in Wales two fights in a row and not in England. I really have no idea, but I guess it's probably because they're paying the most money, like Larry Merchant said to me one day. Steve, they always go where the most money is. Could be that simple. It could be. You know, and, and uh, I was talking to somebody recently that like lived over there for a year, an American, and, and was saying uh, what they loved about it was how easy it was to get around. They lived in London, but you could get all over the place. And so, I don't know, anybody listening overseas, uh, tell us, you know, is it that big of a deal, you know, is it, or is it like uh, Eddie Hearn did with, uh, you know, Long Island and Danny Jacobs? Uh, but he seems to be selling tickets, so, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right, 347-215-7598 if you want to jump on board. Once again, 347-215-7598 if you want to join us on Twitter, you could do so at Steve UCN Live and at Gabriel underscore Montoya. Gabe, let's get to the phone lines. All right then. Nine one seven. You've been on the longest. Uh, you're live on the next round. Hello. Nine one seven. Hello. Hello. Steve. Steve Gaines. Yes. Talk to us. Yes. <laughs> hey, how's it going, guys? I uh, love the show. Uh, first time call. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to ask. Uh, you actually kind of hit on what I was going to say about um, uh, Robert Easter. Now, I don't think he was you know, the truth or anything like that, but I felt like he would have gave guys like Norris or Mike Garcia a problem, mostly because of his height and range. And um, I remember you saying in the last show, just like I was feeling, that Fortuna has looked kind of shitty lately, you know. <laughs> and um, But my question to you is, is obviously he was, he was exposed. I believe Fortuna exposed him. I told you the truth. I thought he was probably going to knock Fortuna out. Were you, my question is, were you impressed with Fortuna at all? Not really. I'll be honest. I thought one guy was kind of okay, and the other guy was just a little bit not as good. Uh, I mean, it's like it's like when you see a hundred yard dash where the two fastest runners are each running fourteen point eight five. You're you're not exactly looking at Usain Bolt here against Ben Johnson. Because I really went through different generations of uh, references there of sprinters. Right. I guess like I guess at best he probably just stated his claim as a gatekeeper at 135, I guess, or whatever. But um, another yeah, I mean, I, I, I liked the fight that he gave, though. You know, he put up a good fight, an honest fight. Uh, it was a little rough, a little aggress- too aggressive early on. It cost him a point. But, uh, but you know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of I I've always liked Fortuna a little bit. I think he's a, he's a fun action fighter. He's fighting a, a pretty big guy. And, but the weight thing also just kind of was lackluster or, or took the luster off the fight for me. Uh, maybe took the edge right. off of it. Well, with me, I guess it was just a little more wishful thinking because I'm Dominican and I just I, I want to see that you know that big Dominican boxer star that we haven't really quite got yet. Uh, sure. But yeah, maybe one day. And um, I know Steve is loving Bavall just because he's half Korean. 
<laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, listen, Babal has a real test now. Uh, he passes oh, yeah. the slanted eye test as a Korean, but <laughs> Sullivan Barrera is the type of guy. I, I don't want to say the gatekeeper. That's a bit of an insult, but this is a litmus test. We'll see how real uh, Dimitri Bivol is on the night of March 3rd. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. Uh, so real quick to the other question. Um, you guys both, uh, who do you guys, who do you guys would be more, who you guys be more interested in seeing in a middleweight fight in kind of a Triple G Canelo sweepstakes, kind of, you know, between all these guys, even like a Spike O'Sullivan who impressed me. And, oh, I want to see Charlo. Yeah, I, I definitely want to see Charlo. I want to see Charlo and Andrade. That's the one I want to see the most. So you're the guy who wants to see Andrade. You're literally the guy. <laughs> I can't. I want to I mean, see. I can't. There's so many questions there still. No, I like uh, I like Andrade. I, I I just wish he'd fight more often, uh, settle into a routine, and and get some consistency going because he's, you know, super talented boxer. Uh, I love watching him uh, train. I get to see him, and he's just a great personality. But like, you know, there's just something that they're leaving on the you know off the table. It's just a consistency and an activity. But we'll see. You know, I yeah. hope that Andre Sergei Derevchenko, which I believe is still being discussed, happens. Yeah. I think that's an excellent fight, and whoever wins it, uh, I think legitimately casts themselves right beside Danny Jacobs and Charlo as legitimate, bona fide middleweight contenders. Uh, thank you for the call. Don't be a stranger. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, who's next? Uh, five three zero. You're live on the next round. Uh, good evening, Gabe, Steve, Ringside, Robert here. What's yeah, up? Yeah, what's up? What's going uh, on? First, first of all, <laughs> uh, I don't know what Jake was talking about last week. I heard that and I like to laugh. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> um, commenting on Robert Easter, Steve, it's clear to me that he needs a whole new training staff. Um. He's five foot eleven, and he didn't fight like he was five foot eleven. And I've seen Robert Easter look better than what he has in his last two fights. Um, but is there a trainer in boxing today who could work with a taller fighter? Because Emmanuel Stewart—that was one of his specialties—and unfortunately, Mr. Stewart is no longer around to solve these problems. So, is there a trainer that could do that today? Huh, a good question. It's a very good question. Um, hmm. Because that that's exactly what he needs. He needs somebody who specializes in working with tall fighters. And I'm wondering, uh, maybe he doesn't have any trouble making 135, but I'm wondering if that's just too small a division for him. Uh, maybe if he moved up to 140 or 147, he could take advantage of more his size because maybe these guys at, at 135 are just too small for him. And I think Ray Vargas, who's at 122, is going to eventually have the same issue with him being five foot ten. Well, maybe like uh, what about Mark Freeland? Huh. Well, uh, that would be a good uh, that'd be a good suggestion, Gabe. But the only guy he's really working with is Wilder. Uh, do you know whether Breland uh, trains other fighters? 
a good question. Not, I don't see him in a lot of corners, Robbie. Now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. Um, so, I don't know. It, you know, but really, uh, I think Robert Easter has the talent. But right now, it's time for somebody to go in and tune up the skills. Who knows how to work with somebody his size? I think if he continues fighting smaller guys and not taking advantage of what he has, I think his title is going to go away. No, but, Robbie, the issue that would then crop up if he moved to 40 and 47, now he's facing bigger, stronger guys. He got buzzed a couple of times by Fortuna. That's true. Just, just keep that in mind. There, there is a downside to this. Yeah. Well, uh, I understand that, Steve, but I, watching that fight on Saturday, I kept asking myself, why is he fighting tall? And his trainer never once said to him, hey, uh, you don't specialize on inside work. You've got to go on the outside. Never once talked about that in 36 minutes. Uh, I think there needs to be a, a change there. And as far as Earl, Earl Spence is concerned, uh, he beats everybody at 147. The only one I don't know how easily it, it comes is Terrence Crawford. But everybody on the premier boxing champion side of things, he cleans that up. There's nobody, nobody there that's going to give him any issue whatsoever. I don't disagree. Robbie, thank you for the call as always. Yeah. Three, okay, four, thank seven, you guys. 215-7598. Gabe, who's next? Wow, Robbie cleared the room with that one. That's a, you know, I mean, do you think he, he beats Thurman? Yeah. I feel like he, yeah. I think he's much yeah. too sound, much too clean in his technique. Yeah, and however it goes on, uh, you know, on, on Saturday, I, I think he beats, you know, Matisse. I just think it's... He's a bigger guy, and you know. And, and to be fair to the fight, watching it, you know, Lamont Peterson is a is a junior welterweight. He doesn't have huge body of work at at 147, and you know, really after like four, it was just kind of a a done deal. But you know, the kid closed the show. He forgot to after he put him down, he forgot to go to the body a little bit. I'd like to see him tighten up his finishing more than I worry about his defense. Uh, three, four, seven. You're live on the next round. <laughs> Three four seven. Hello. They or not? Yeah, watching the game or something. Three one three. You're live on the next round. Hey, what's going on, gentlemen? You hear me? What's up? Yes. Hey, yeah. Um, I was looking. Yeah, I'm I'm with Robbie right there. But my whole thing, really, if you look at Spence, I do think a mover can beat him. I mean, looking at his amateur career when he had some issues with guys, there were guys who could move. So, and I, he doesn't seem like the most sweet-footed person. He displayed a little hmm. bit of, of uh, bounce in his step kind of later in the fight when Peterson went into survival mode. We started to see Spence use that a little bit. I, I don't know, like, you know, in the early stages of like a fight night when you're building a, a, a guy, if you ever played that game, you know, you kind of walk guys down a little bit more than kind of dart in and out. And I think when you're facing a guy that you know is not a knockout puncher at 140, much less 147, you know, and he's older and he's, you know, inactive, you're just going to do what Spence did. I, I'm not sure if we've seen all the tools yet. But Yeah, and again, with guys like Spence, it's much easier 
in theory, to move on them for 36 minutes than to actually do it. Easier said than done. Yeah. Right. And, but, you know, uh, you know, topping out, I know you guys have an issue with uh, pound for pound lists and things of that nature. Why can't we just rate who we think is the best boxer, period? I think that would be good. And when you're looking at Spence, what does he top out at? I mean, I look at his best. Say, say he was at 160 or whatever. I think he would have issues with the top guys in one sixty just because uh you know because see I followed a lot of his amateur career and mm. I saw what he had issues and it was all guys who could really, you know, set on the you know, fight off the front and back foot and move around at times. You know, move and around. And that's Terrence back. Crawford. And that's right. Terrence Crawford. <laughs> yeah. In right. all fairness, I mean Crawford is a guy that's flexible, athletic and elastic. Right. I you mean, know? if you were to really look at him, I mean, you know, Sapiev. Sapiev, who was a great amateur. He was a really good amateur, and he beat Spence very easily. If you look at that fight, and another thing I noticed about him, the few times, really, I remember one time I was training, and I was having problems, and really one came back to the corner and said, just throw the left hand. Don't even throw your right hand. Throw your left hand, and that's it. And I found success, and I really don't see why Peterson's corner didn't do that because it seemed like his right hand, anytime he threw it, he had some success. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say, but you know what? Peterson, as much as I like him, older, faded veteran, inactive, and it was never a heavy-handed guy, even at right. 140. So I, I want to ask the caller this then. Do you believe that Spence, on this particular past weekend, was made to look good because of the matchmaking that there is perhaps a little bit of a mirage being created? Yes. Now, I'm not okay. saying that he's not good. I'm not saying that he's right. I see Like I said, I think he beats everybody but Terrence. I think I'll give Terrence the edge right now. But actually, but another question. Um, whoever wins this Cruiserweight tournament, I got him as third in the world behind Crawford and Lomachenko. I got him as third. I mean, you, you're looking at – Whoever wins this tournament is going to take two O's and be the un- undisputed champ of that division. And, probably and you know what? The thir- Based yeah. on resume and who they beat within that division caliber of fighters, I think they have a stronger case than either guy of being number one, whether it's Mirak Asiev, Alexander Usyk, Bradis, or Junior Dertikos. I think right. there's a lot of holes in most resumes nowadays because most boxers simply are not active enough. Right, I mean, and really, if Usyk wins, you know, that shows that he has a A-level chin. And I always felt, because I watch, I watch a good amount of amateur boxing. I don't know why most people in America are watching amateur boxing, but they do watch college football, college basketball, so they know who's coming in. I don't know why it wouldn't be the same way. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But looking at Usyk when he was amateur and as a pro, the movement would have it would give Joshua issues. It's all about if his chin could hold up, but that would be <laughs> right. And what set. about the forty pounds between them, though? Doesn't size matter to a certain degree? Yeah, the speed matters too. True, that is true. The one thing about Usyk that I don't like, he doesn't seem to turn his punches over. There's almost like this, like he slaps the hell out of you, but but he doesn't fully like turn over his punches and really. Hit you with the big part okay. of the two knuckles. All right. Well, well, let me let me cut off with this. The best quote I've ever heard about slaps: "Those slaps hurt." Remember Roy Jones after Calzaghe? 
Yeah, that's true. But so, so do you think Usyk is a cruiserweight Calzaghe then? Yeah, he could be, but he stops people late though. He stops he's no, he people late. Yeah, so he does. He's got to have some power in it. Mm, all right. Well, listen. As always, thank you for the call. Three four seven two one five seven. Five nine in the top of the hour, we will talk about the semifinals of the World Boxing Super Series kicking off in Riga, Latvia, this weekend. Gabe, that was a quality call. Nine seven eight. That's all we have here. We're not like other shows. We we don't we don't lower the bar here. No, Hello. I, uh, I'm going to tweet out that fight too. Uh, it's got it on YouTube. Nine seven eight. A little early in the show. You're Hello. live on the next round. Come on, guys. Jimmy. It's got right. Jimmy, doing, the, the stool. It's Jimmy's corner. So Jimmy, hey, I mean, you are from the Boston area. You like me are yes, a Hagler sir. fanatic. Absolutely. Isn't this guy kind of like Absolutely. a Hagler yeah, to talk- a certain degree, Errol Spence? I responded to that tweet you sent out because uh, I was watching with a couple of guys who happened a little older than me, huge Hagler fans like everybody in this area, and he mentioned it too. He said, "Ah, look at that." Cause if you remember, I think it was in the Third round, when um, spent, uh, Peterson, who I got to say, the kid's got hot. You got to love that. And, again, uh, mad kudos to his fucking corner. No, you know, take it. I thought that was the right time because, of course, the kid wanted to keep going, but he did the right stoppage. But um, back to the – I believe it was after he got clipped. Once, once he gets clipped, he gets even – you know what I mean? And that was Hagler, too. And Hagler would talk about it with guys he would train. He'd say, yeah, man, sometimes I go in with that game plan. I'm going to do this and do this, take them deep. And then he cracks me and I get bullshit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it seems like he has that quality too. But, yeah, no, the, the southpaw, he throws stuff with bad intentions. He might have an issue. Certain referees might take issue. You remember how he was kind of parring that jab and holding it out long, almost holding it? Yeah. In, um, Peterson's face. Kind of like Larry Holmes. Line up the body show. Straight arm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some refs aren't going to allow that. You know what I mean? Some refs going to poo poo that. So, but um, everybody, you know, a lot of people say, well, we haven't seen his chin yet. I always go back to this. You don't develop that style and and, ha- and not have a good whiskers because you're training that style in the gym and you would know more than I, you guys, cause you're in the business. You would have heard most likely through the rumor mill that he's been dropped training. You know what I mean? Exactly. That was, uh, that's, you know what I'm saying? So if you don't hear that, um, <laughs> you hear that he dropped his, other people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, I'm really high in this kid. You know what I mean? I, uh, I just like his personality. He's humble. He says the right things. It just, and when you hear that, it's, uh, you know what it is. It's the Floyd thing with the – it's just bullshit. It's, I go by this. My pound-for-pound fighter is the guy I'm willing to spend a shit ton of money, jump on a fucking plane even, and go fly and exactly. watch fight. You know what exactly. I mean? That's how I rate my pound-for-pound fighter. Who's the motherfucker I'm willing to invest my time and money Jimmy, in? Jimmy, that yes. is so funny you said that because about 12, 13 years ago, Bernie Barmazel, who's a noted publicist in boxing, has worked yep. with – um, a lot of different fighters, including Golovkin, he said, Steve, you yeah. guys shouldn't even do pound for pound. I go, why not? He goes, you should do a list of, like, who are the ticket sellers? Who are the attractions? And it was an epiphany for me because he was absolutely right. It's, That's it's, very at interesting. The the, it's, at the end of the day, I mean, what it comes down to, it's, it's an entertainment value. It's that you want to, you know what I mean? You want to get your blood, your juices going and shit. It's just so, and like, say, take, for instance, like you said, Linares, right? This kid, man, you watch... I can sit and watch him hit a bag, hit mitts. It's just everything's like fucking butter. You know what I mean? Smooth. But 
Does is he going to get people to want to see that? See, I'm a fanatic. You guys, are fanatic. We, we, you know, because we know the we want to see the nuances. But for the most guy with four or five beers in him, he just wants to see some blood. And if you're not going to yeah. go there and put it on the, you know what I mean? That's just the nature of the beast. I'm not saying it's well, right Errol, or wrong. That's just how it is. Errol Spence is one yeah. of those guys that you would show to your buddies that don't Absolutely. necessarily watch boxing. You know, he definitely Absolutely. Is. You know, 100% uh, correct. Absolutely. And, and, and you feel actually fight. secure inviting people over, maybe, you know, because, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm, I'm not going to invite people over for Jorge Linares because, you know, exactly. It's exactly. not always Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> no, exactly. And, and I'll tell you what was huge for me when he went over to England to fight Brooke. That tells you right there what that kid has in his confidence. You know what I mean? His people having him. You know what I mean? That's, oh, that and by the way, yeah. Jimmy. Yes. Hagler won his first title in England against Alan Minter. Yes, so another he did. similarity. Got no, pelted with beer not. bottles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Mickey did too. Mickey got pelted with beer bottles when he fought that kid in England too. I wasn't there for that fight, but yeah, he got pelted when he beat that kid. He got uh, Mickey, uh, his brother Dickie caught a bottle in the head. <laughs> they get upset you know, when uh, their people. Yeah, no, they got pelted too. They were pretty upset. It just was uh, right when they were leaving. I was told, but I, yeah, no, I'm really high on Spence, not high on Easter. Just listen, if you're a bad thing, when, when you, when you have technical issues and it's your father in the corner, that's a terrible situation because you, you're right. You're not going to get the cold, hard truth. Like Emmanuel Stewart, like he said, he would always say, I'm the father figure, but he's some a lot harder on these kids than most fathers. He would always say either get better or get out. You know what I mean? He, he you was, know, he was, Guys, yeah. you didn't have to be Eddie Futch or Angelo Dundee to figure out that if Robert Easter laid behind his jab and kept Fortuna at a certain distance, he could win every round very easily. Now, it wasn't going to be entertaining. It wasn't going to be effective. But that was clearly one of those nights. Win tonight, look good tomorrow. And I yes. never even heard that suggested to him. I never even heard that when they were going to his corner. And Fatuna, that, that shit about his call outside, listen, where Hagler used to train, right, you could see his breath. They had asbestos on the pipes in there. That place was a fucking, was a shithole for a while. <laughs> That's and that resort, right, his, that he used to go to, oh, where he'd be oh the only God, person. Yeah. And it was like, and if it was Jack Nicholson there, you'd, you'd have thought it was The Shining, that movie. I <laughs> know, <laughs> it was. Oh, yeah, no, he trained up in the mountains in the cold because, like you said, it's uncomfortable. I don't want to be comfortable. He used to call it jail. Jail, exactly. He just takes yeah, away I, from some... Yeah. It's a bullshit excuse. Is, it's a bullshit excuse. No, ridiculous. Excuse. Just, just a ridiculous happened. excuse. And, um, I mean, guys, uh, Big Bear is freezing cold, right? And it's been kind of cold recently. Yeah. Do you see Abel nope. Sanchez's fighters not making weight, any of them? Uh, no. Really? No, it's just it's about professionalism. What it comes down to, and um, about that other caller, I think it's cool that he sees a lot of images. But the problem is when you compare, the difference is it's a hell of a, a lot sport. easier to stay on your bike for for nine minutes, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, when that's the goal is to just move, 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 and occasionally move, hit. Move for nine, so you're only training for nine. If you train different, you punch different. Like Hagler said, I wasn't an overly great amateur. I think he won the AAUs, but I don't think he won the Nationals. I might be wrong, but he was beat a few times in Lowell. And, but like he said, you know what I mean? That was because I was in there when a kid ran for three rounds. And pow, 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 just jabbing. It's a different beast. You get him in That's the why pose, you look at the guy yeah. uh, in the amateurs and say he has a pro style. That's what I saw exactly. in, the, in the Olympics. 
this kid has a pro style, meaning, oh, he's trying to hurt the other guy, and if you give him enough time, he'll get him out of there and take the headgear exactly. off and make the gloves smaller. And, and, and it's and it's they train it that way because in the image, what is it? You hit someone with a shot, they go down. You get up, you jab them. It's one one. You know what I mean? A knockdown's considered a point. So it, the whole mindset's different. I mean, mm-hmm. you just knew it. I mean, the, the kid who fought the guy who fought Tyson when he was sixteen, when he just trashed the arena, the locker room. He said it. He said that was it. He goes, I was done. He was huffing and puffing after the fight. He was like, that kid hit hurt me with everything he hit me with. He said, there's no way I could have won another round because he was the whole mm. fight just ran. So, yeah, right, and Henry Kelman beat him twice in the box off. It, yep. Sometimes it does not translate to the next level. And Rocky Marciano was the same way. But let's, I know you guys got a bunch of people up against it. So, uh, hey, thanks for letting me call in. You guys have a great show. You too, man. Thank uh, you very much. Right and there. that was Jimmy's Corner checking in 347-215-7598. Gabe, who's next? Um, let's go 585. You're live on the next round. Hey guys, it's Jake from Rochester. Hey, what's, what's up, going on? Hey, what's up? Um, you know, I, I saw Steve's tweet a couple of days ago, and I and I just started thinking about ESPN Friday Night Fights not being around anymore, and you know what he missed about it. And you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, for all of these prospects that are hot right now, like Virgil Ortiz or Ryan Garcia or Teofimo Lopez. You know, ESPN Friday Night Fights was a place where, you know, every, you know, it was like a shared thing. Everyone's prospects yep. were featured on, on Friday Night Fights. We'd be watching these guys grow up on TV. Instead, now we got to search YouTube. Maybe it's on there, you know, or, or streams or whatever. You know, we're, we're missing a big part of, you know, what, what was common practice, you know, just not too many years ago. And it, uh, it, it's really unfortunate. Jake, for 30 years... Just about every significant fighter, at least in the States, appeared on ESPN's boxing series, whether it was Friday Night Fights or not. Some news on Teofimo Lopez. His fight February 3rd next week in Corpus Christi, you will not have to stream it. It will actually be part of the pre-fight show on ESPN News alongside the return of Jesse Hart. So So that's pretty good news. But you're right. I mean, I've said this. When I went into Friday night fights to begin my weekend, I always knew what I was getting into. Uh, I know I'm not going to the fanciest steakhouse. I might be just going to Sizzler. But you know what? I'm okay with Sizzler. I've always had a good time at Sizzler. And if you went in with the proper expectations and knowing that you weren't going to go to Morton Steakhouse, Sizzler's is okay. I used to love that all-you-can-eat salad bar. I always thought that was a very good value, by the way. Yeah, and the, the commercials with the shrimp and the butter. I mean, you know, I, I love oh, those. Those look succulent. It they always do. looks so succulent. God. <laughs> <laughs> and I do miss it. I, listen, the last couple of years, you know, when Friday Night Fights wasn't exactly giving us Mickey Ward against Reggie Green or Emmanuel Augustus, the, some of the gallows humor that you'd find on Twitter from the boxing community – I thought that in itself was pretty damn entertaining. Yeah, it was communal, you know? It, it was, it, like you said, it was getting to watch a guy, you, you develop a relationship with the fighters, seeing them off and seeing them uh, when they're younger. It, it's weird. It's like you, you think about football or any other sport, there's just not enough talent at the top level, like star talent, uh, 
to have a bunch of different basketball leagues or a bunch of different football leagues uh, that you get everybody consolidated together and, and, and create a product. Boxing needs to work out some sort of structure. Uh, and, and maybe that's impossible with the different networks or the, at least with the big two, uh, Showtime and HBO. Uh, but I, th- I think the like, great fights that get left on the table way too often. So, Jake, what were your thoughts on Spence? Does he have the right stuff in your view? Yeah, I've always been high on, on Spence. Um, you know, he, he just looks, um, you know, like you were saying, it reminds me of Donald Curry. Um, he, uh, he's just big, strong. You know, he's, a, he's just this, like methodical technician. Um, you know, the, I, I think Thurman, um, I think, is, is, is obviously going to be competitive with him. But I, I don't. Thurman, to me, ever since he got married, it doesn't sound like the same hungry dude he did a couple of years ago. Like a couple of years ago, he was like, I want Floyd. I want this guy. I want everybody. Let's go. And now he's like, you know what? Maybe I'll fight Spence in 2019. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. He's a young, hungry lion. Yeah. Yeah. And he just hasn't developed. When I look at Keith Thurman, I see a guy who can punch. He's fairly athletic. But I see a lot of flaws, too. I, yeah. I just don't see it with him. And I could be wrong, but that's just what I see. Well, we got to know what that elbow's like, too, you know. Uh, his elbow injury, I, I imagine it's healed. Who knows how long it was, you know, he's supposed to be off in order for it to fully heal and then start training and, and see if it's, you know, uh, if it works the way it used to. Uh, there's a lot of questions there. He's got two belts. Uh but, you know, I think, you know, at this point, it feels like Spence is the man until proven otherwise. Uh, Jake, I know you're a boxing fanatic. That's why you call shows like this. Are you even looking forward to this weekend? I am because, in, in, in really, it's solely based on the fact that you've tweeted multiple times that this guy is the biggest Thai boxer you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> hey, Jake, I just, want to, uh, I just want to be on the record right now. If he gets blown out in two, I am deleting those things real fast. So get a <laughs> screenshot if you want to have some fun of those, you know. <laughs> All right. Um, but, uh, Steve, I, I just wanted to get this in before I go. Uh, regarding Usyk, his last two fights, he's been turning over his punches a little bit more. It, it seems like he's slowly adapting to the program. And yeah. Now, actually, yeah. Yeah, listen, he, uh, late in the fight, he shifts to another gear. I mean, what he did to Michael Hunter, just drubbing him for three minutes of the 12th, was actually pretty entertaining. And I was there ringside, and I was like, wow. <laughs> it was actually fun to watch. So, But we'll see. I, I, I think the Cruiserweight Tournament has absolutely lived up to expectations in the World Boxing Super Series. Jake, we got to get running, okay? Thank you for the call. Gabe, speaking of that fight, we go to the fight preview, and there's not a lot to talk about, but the World Boxing Super Series continues from Riga, Latvia, and it's the WBO and WBC champions battling. Oleksandr Usyk takes on Maris Bredis. Gabe, if Usyk is that guy that we think he is or he's touted to have been, he wins this fight. Somehow, some way. 
Yeah, I think he's got the straighter punches. He's he's uh, the bigger man, six three, seventy eight inch reach. Um, you know, uh, Bradis is is six one, but uh, leaky defense can be can be hit. I mean, but you got two guys uh, that are undefeated. You know, twenty three wins, no losses, eighteen knockouts uh, for for Bradis. Uh, whereas Usyk, you know, he's thirteen wins, zero losses, eleven knockouts. He's He's faced some good competition, but I think this is as stiff as it, it gets for him. W- would you agree? It's not an easy fight. Uh, no, it's not. And, and yeah. listen, it's two world champions, and Usyk in his two HBO fights, listen, he fought that small little South African who was very, very awkward, but really was no threat. And Michael yeah. Hunter, I mean, he was a dormant fighter. I mean, you want to talk about a career that grind to a halt and was given no chance at really developing – and, and listen, Hunter was very game lasting that last bell, but uh, Bredis is a real fight, and there's a lot on the line. So certainly a lot to look forward to. Uh, for, for us Americans, uh, <laughs> check on your radio. That's all I'm say. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, hey, you know, three, uh, four, seven. Oh, sorry, I, uh, just saying, he's got two wins, and, and Hook and Perez might be better than anything on Usyk's record. I, I don't know. Uh, Usyk is is you know he's, he's got that hook win, but I mean the guy's got a lot of miles on him, uh, and, and and then you know the Michael Hunter win, I don't know who was Michael Hunter ultimately. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't made a pick on this one. I mean, maybe I'll have to see the weigh-ins and see how it goes. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, let's get back to the phone lines. All right then, eight six zero. You're live on the next round. Hey, how you guys doing? CT. What's up? CT, welcome aboard. Hey, uh, I'd just like to talk about uh, Spencer's performance. I, I think he, I think what, I think that what sets him apart from a lot, a lot of the other fighters when he punches, just like Triple G, he has great balance and, and a great base, you know, to set up his shots. He has like perfect balance, and um, <clears throat> I think even when Peterson tried to make movements and stuff like that, I just think uh, like. Malinowski, I think, said during his telecast um, that Spence does a very good job of measuring distance. So, you know, whatever Peterson did that night, it wasn't going to work. You know, when I see when I see Errol Spence, I see a kid that's taught how to punch properly. When I see Robert Easter, I see a guy who probably does a lot of the fancy mint work. Yeah, uh, he looks like a guy that works the pads. I was just watching it. And, you know, earlier in the show, Steve, I, I, I had to agree with you that it wasn't that great of a fight. Uh, you know, I mean, besides getting kind of buzzed uh, by, by Fortuna, I think around the fourth, it was just, yeah, two guys that weren't yeah. quite always hitting the mark. Uh, but there was a lot yeah. of activity. Yeah, I mean, it was okay. It wasn't the worst fight ever, but it wasn't one that you say, I'm going to keep this on the DVR. Uh, like save some space for Castillo Corrales one, but uh, hey, I'm kidding. Like, come on, no, it was okay. It's one of those fights. As soon as it's over, you never watch it again. You know, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Um, I, I just think I know there's probably a trainer that might be able to change him, but I just think that just might be who he is as a fighter. You know what I mean? Um, he could probably work on some things to try to make him fight tall, but. It kind of seems like a Paul Williams type guy where you're just going to want to mix it up on the inside. But the difference is Paul Williams was much better on the inside. Easter looked like he was drowning in close. (laughs) 
I agree. Yeah, I, 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 it, was Fortuna, it was nice and shifty in there and just kept moving from side to, you know, shifting to shoulder to shoulder. It just had the better of it. And it's it's easier when you're the smaller man, I think, to fight on the inside. It just made no sense to not get behind his stick. Mm-hmm. CT, mm-hmm. any thoughts on the card this weekend on HBO? Actually, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I haven't seen the TIE fighter fight yet, but like you guys are saying, I'm looking forward to it now because uh, – Interested to see how he looks against Matisse, who's a hard puncher himself. And I'm looking to uh, see Lenores have uh, or possibly have a, you know, a great uh, performance. I look forward to seeing if he can win this fight against Jessa, which I, I believe he will, and then try to make a good stand at trying to fight uh, Mikey Garcia later in the year. Okay, CT, always appreciate the call. I'll talk to you next week, 347 215 Seven, five, and nine, eight. Gabe, who's next? Um, let's go to two zero nine. You're live on the next round. Two zero nine. Hola. Or not? Nope. Let's go to the other two zero nine. You're live on the next round. Hey guys, how you doing? What's up? Good. What's up? Hey, uh, I want to talk about uh, the uh, uh, the fight over the weekend, Errol Spence. Um, I know he's on the PBC, and I know they have free boxing, but this is really like the third time I've only seen him fight. And, and I was pretty impressed with the body work that he did. Um, you know, I, I, I thought he he broke him down. He broke Peterson down pretty good. And uh, I, I thought it was a valiant – I mean, I thought it was a good stoppage because he was just going to be taking more punishment. Um and, and I also want to talk about this weekend's fight. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, is Golden Boy, do they still offer their undercards on, on Ring TV Live? I believe that there will be an announcement. I read on Dougie's mailbag that it looks like the undercard will be streamed, yes. Okay, okay. And, you know, that's one of the things I look forward to, uh, uh, Golden Boy's uh, uh, cards, because they give you everything. I mean, really, they give you everything, and which is cool. You know, I get to see the future of of what they have to offer, and you know, I, you know, and and me as a boxing fanatic, I mean, I I, I love it. Um, other than that, oh, and I also want to thank you for uh, 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 tweeting out uh, Thompson's promotion schedule. Uh, I see that they oh, have a show um, in Sacramento. Huh? Yes, they do, yeah. and uh, there will be a few more shows announced, according to Alex Campanova. They're trying to complete deals. They want to do a show in Texas uh, near Midland where Michael Dutchover's from. They might even do a show in San Diego. They might, they're actually looking at a casino, smaller casino venue in Las Vegas. So it's going to be a very busy year for Thompson Boxing. Yeah, I saw the show in Sacramento. I mean, I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm getting ready to call and see if they got tickets available. <laughs> no, no, there will be. And by the way, going back to Spence, guys, the second greatest compliment I could pay him besides comparing him to marvelous Marvin Hagler is that he's the type of guy that I look at. I think he could have fought in the eighties and nineties and fit right in. I don't think wow. a lot of these guys today could. He can. Hmm. Wow. Well, uh, that's good. Yes, well, it is. Well, All right, well, listen, appreciate the call. Please call in again. All right, guys. See you later. Bye. Peace. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, who's next? If there is anyone left. 
Uh, there's a few left. Uh, I uh, I got to chew on that one for a while. Maybe one more fight against a dangerous puncher. Uh, 805, uh, you're live on the next round. Hey, what's up, guys? It's me, Nacho. Nacho, up, Nacho? welcome aboard. Thanks. Um, the uh, fight this weekend, uh, my prediction was literally a round off because I thought Spence would beat him in nine, but he ended up pretty much stopping him uh, the round before. I think Barry Hunter did a a tremendous uh, service to Peterson in that he recognized that his guy had absolutely no shot, and he saved him from a career-altering beating by stopping the fight when he did because I think if he had allowed Spence to bang on him for two, three more rounds, Peterson might not be – there might not be much left, in my opinion, after that fight. Uh, And the other fight – with Easter, I personally thought Fortuna did enough to where you could maybe give him the decision or even call it a draw because to me, Easter, it was like I told you guys last week, Steve, I thought he was overrated. Yeah, he's huge for the weight, but he doesn't translate to a guy who's intimidating in any way, shape, or form. He doesn't use his height and his reach the way he should, and that's what allowed uh, Fortuna to basically – you know, take advantage of him when he got on the inside. He didn't know how to do anything on the inside, and Fortuna was able to flip and counter a lot of his his jabs and, and uh, right hands that he would miss, and he nailed him a few times, like you said, and he hurt him. So, I mean, the only guy I was wondering as far as, like, a trainer, because I heard Robbie bring it up, what about um, Joe Goosen? He used to work with Diego Corrales. Yeah, but Diego wasn't exactly Vernon Forrest in there. You know, and a lot of the times when you have a father trainer involved, you're entrenched. You're stuck with that situation. Um, um, again, you know, the, the Shafikov fight, you could say Shafikov's a pressure fighter who's very good at closing distance. So you say, okay, Shafikov got to give him credit, fought his fight. But when that happened with Fortuna, that's where to me I was like, ooh, yeah. He's not as good as I thought he was. Yeah, It was exactly. eye-opening. It was eye-opening. No yeah, doubt about it, Nacho. For sure. Um, and uh, I I saw the uh, fight, the third fight that was made for the Superfly card. I like that fight, uh, Nieves and Revko, because those are two guys that have been around for a while, and they've been winning, uh, but no, not gotten much uh, America media attention. But that should be an interesting fight for that third one. Uh, Nacho, so, are you attending that fight in person? Um, I'm seriously thinking about it. It all comes down to if I'm available that weekend. But I'm actually going to the fight this weekend, Steve. Ah, okay. Well, I'll see you there. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I'm, I'm, and by the way, I'm picking Linares to stop uh, Hesta in about eight. I think he's going to chop him up and put him away. I don't think he's on uh, Linares' level. And um, the other fight, I'm picking uh, Matisse to win, but I think he's going to have to survive a really rough and tumble fight against this high dude, because to me he re- this fight reminds me of the fight Marquez had about probably 10 or 11 years ago against Turtsek. Uh, Turtsek uh, Jendang in Tahoe. I was go. up there for that fight. Yeah, very tough this, fight. This, this fight reminds me, I think it's going to be a lot like that, Steve. 
I think this Thai dude, because nobody knew who he was, and he gave Marquez all, he gave him hell. And I have a yes, feeling Matisse is going to cross. And I have a feeling Matisse is going to be probably in for the same kind of night, but I'm, I'm still picking Matisse. And uh, okay. one last thing, did you guys see um, that Billy Joe Saunders is fighting Martin Murray? Yeah, it's just kind of a placeholder fight. It's not terrible, but it's not good. And it, it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Nacho, thank you very much. If you want to jump in, we still have 15 minutes in regulation and overtime if need be. 347-215-7598. The next round with Gabriel Montoya and Steve Kim on the Leave It in the Ring radio network. 281, you're live on the next round. Hey, guys. This is Nate. What's up, Nate? Nate, what's up? Oh, man. This and that. Um, I want to talk um, before we talk about the fights. Um, something that I saw about a week ago. Um, you know, last year when when Aaron Pryor died, and there was a lot of discussion about his career and and uh, you know how good is he um, versus you know all the, the 140 guys of all time and all that. But here, um, about a week ago, there was an article on in uh, UCN Live by uh, Carlos Acevedo, and in talking about. Um, Prior and, and kind of that that dark side and all his demons and all the you know from all the way through his childhood and up through and and uh, and it's just it's kind of like it's sad and depressing but at the same time um, to you know imagine that someone overcame so much of that for as long as he did um, and had a career like he did right it's pretty amazing. He was a shooting star, though. You know, right after the second Arguello fight, his career kind of, I don't want to say just, like, dropped off a cliff, but there weren't many great moments after that. He aged very quickly with that lifestyle of his, the Hawk. Well, well and, that, <laughs> and that style, too, you know. You can't go for broke and take shots like that and, and, and have a long career, I don't think. I don't know, yeah. Well, it's all the drugs, but I mean that the the thing is, I mean, it's not like he started losing fights, really, right? It's just that you know the the drugs. Well, he only had one all. loss when he took yeah. his ill-advised fight when he shouldn't have even been cleared to fight. I think he was like blind in one eye or something. It was really a travesty when when that was scheduled. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I, you yeah. know, I used to love love watching him fight. I mean, before all that happened, right? Uh, you know, the the title fight against Cervantes. Um, was it was just cool, right? Because he was a big underdog for that, and you know, the Cervantes has been, had been champion for I don't know, a long time, right? And um, you know, he come, kind of comes out of nowhere with that one, and then you know, obviously the Arguello fights, um, you know, incredible. But uh, anyways, just just uh, you just got a little uh, give me a little reflection on on that seeing reading the article, so it was pretty cool. I was cool. watching the. Uh... The Miguel Montilla fight uh, about I don't know about two months back at, at my gym they, they they played things on a loop. Check that one out. It's a pretty unbelievable war. Yeah, I have to do that. That's it's not uh, ringing 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 any bells. So I have to I have to look that up. Definitely. But uh, so Nate, anything else fights. we could do for you? Yeah, the fights this last weekend. You know. I mean, I, I guess to me, I, I mean, I, I really like Spence, but I just don't, I, I can't get excited about anything out of that out of that fight because I mean, it, it went pretty much how everyone thought it would go. I mean, I guess 
you know, he, he took care of business. But, I mean, my whole thing is I don't mind, you know, an Errol Spence fighting the Lamont Petersons of the world as long as it's one of three or four fights that he's having in a year. You know, but if it's the one fight sure. in, in the year, it's like, well, it was just kind of a waste of time. You know. Yeah, and, well, this Lamont, year, if he doesn't get at least three fights, it will be a buzzkill. And I, I think he's well, on his way to at least having three in 2018. Well, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, what TBC has been active? I mean, it's like one or two Oof. is like their limit. Yeah, I can't I, argue that. Can you name? Well, <laughs> would you be happy so if the like, next one's Jesse Vargas? <laughs> it, well, hold well, on. Jesse it, Vargas it, it, is fighting Keith Thurman in what might be his oh. only fight of the year. So hold your horses, Montoya. Oh, that's right. That's my bad. My bad. Sorry. Sorry. But uh, well, then you know you got Sean Porter sitting right there. I mean, I know he's the mandatory right to to Thurman. No, but Sean Porter. They want Thurman again. Um, They've absolutely said we're not fighting till we get that mandated shot against Keith Thurman. So I I said to his father, "You're not even taking a tune-up," and he says, "No." So they they may not fight. No. Oh, that was a sparring session, Gabe. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. So there's a, there's a chance they may not fight till September, if you really think about it. That's a, that's uh, on them. Well, then that's on it them. It is. You can't you can't wait on it, somebody else like that. You got to get get out there and fight. Don't disagree. Don't disagree. Yep. All right, well, listen, Nate. Else? As always, thank you for the call. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a good evening, gentlemen. All yeah. right, peace. Um, going back to the Twitter timeline. <laughs> Here's a reaction to some of the statements of Mikey Garcia. Come on, Mikey. I mean, seriously, dude. Come on. Uh, this tweet can only be retweeted on April Fool's Day. <laughs> um, yeah. Here's one from Tommy Boxeo. How come Atlantic City doesn't get big fights anymore? Uh, have you been there the last 15 years? Really? Ask the president. Thank God there are no more big fights. I mean, Gabe, you went to a Sergio Martinez fight or two in Atlantic City, right? Uh, yeah, I saw him knock out uh, Paul Williams. Uh, All right. Was in, there uh, any yearning? When you left, when you touched down, or when that, when that flight took back off to the West Coast, did you say, God, I can't wait to come back here again? Seriously, yeah. <laughs> taking the like you know the bus through Baltimore and like wow, so this is where they did the wire, you know. It, it looks like the wire. No disrespect, I mean, you know. But uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. And the boardwalk it was I like mean, dead a, as Dillinger. I mean, it was like and listen, there's a bit of a renaissance going on with club shows, and which is good for the local fighters. But, I mean, when I went there, I was like, wow, this place was last state-of-the-art in the 80s. I mean, I think in 2008, I went to one of Pavlik's fights. I think it was against Gary Lockett. Now, in 2008, which is not all that long ago, it still had hotel rooms because I had one that still had real keys. Keys to a hotel room in 2008. Yeah, I'm sorry. Not to get, like, like, uh, uh, political – but people Google the word, the words Trump hurt Atlantic City, and it's like how Donald Trump bankrupted his Atlantic City casinos. Uh, his greed helped ruin Atlantic City. Those are two different stories. Donald Trump and yeah. the rise and fall of Atlantic City in Newsweek. And this is from like 2015. Yeah. 
Uh, he had and, a tremendously yeah, and Gabe, terrible effect. And Gabe, ironically, Atlantic City now, large parts of it, is a shithole. Anyway, <laughs> three, four, seven, two, one, five, seven, five, nine, eight. Gabe, who's next? I couldn't a, resist. I went was, there. It was perfect. Hell of a sunset, though. Uh, unlisted <laughs> number. <laughs> You're live on the next round. Unlisted number. Nope. All right. Hello? Uh, five, five, three, zero. You're live on the next round. Or is this Robbie again? Hi, guys. Call back in. Oh. No, this time it's Mike from Auburn. What's up, Mike? Mike, what's going on? Robbie and I share, share, share uh, uh, prefixes. So, gotcha. quick question. We, you had a caller earlier that talked about Thompson Boxing coming to Sacramento. Yes. This year. And... Uh, that is very good news. I certainly enjoyed their show there last summer. But uh, what are your thoughts about uh, the viability of Tom Loeffler with his 360 promotion being able to make a go of it financially in Sacramento, say at a venue I like think, Rayleigh Field? You know, it really mm-hmm. depends on who he signs. Listen, um, I, I saw him on the – traditional Sunday track workout with coach Dave Schwartz and my old friend Doug Fisher and he says hey I you know and I have to ask him this he's going to be working with Ryan Martin young lightweight contender out of Chattanooga uh, and they, they plan on doing a show there and he, he said that yesterday it all depends I think the base of his program will be in Hollywood at a venue that he's still finalizing he plans to do five shows in 2018 and again if there is a fighter that he associates with that could draw locally in a certain market, that's Tom's specialty is the build-up fighters. But I think what he's going to focus in on at the very beginning is just to do a couple of shows in L.A. and get this off the ground. Yeah, I certainly understand that. I've, I was thinking that the, the logic might be people he has in the Eastern European group because there's a fairly, fairly decent Eastern European, Russian-Ukrainian population up here in the Sacramento area and a fairly large one in the Bay Area. And yeah. so, you know, somebody Doesn't, like Golovkin uh, has outgrown Sac- Sacramento by leaps and bounds, but somebody like Usyk, for example, could be possible. Does Moscow still have his gym out in uh, in West Sac over there? Didn't Oleg mm, Moscow? I don't know, Dan. Yeah, he had a gym. I, I don't know, like, Dan. When I lived out there, like you know, twenty years ago, uh, fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. huh? Yeah, no, there is a significant Russian population, and it's Sacramento is a fight town. Uh, there, there's a. Sure, it was. It was yeah, long you, ago <laughs> with Don Shargan, Tony the Tiger, Lopez, Loretta Garza. I remember some great shows on NBC back then. Oh yeah, the Memorial. Well, you remember now. the Thompson boxing show last uh, last summer? The headliner was a Ukrainian. Yes, it was. It was Tara Shellstuck. Taras Shellstuck. I'm glad you remembered the name because I, I sure didn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw uh, uh, Oscar Latios versus Israel Vasquez, too, I believe, at the uh, Memorial Auditorium in Sacramento. Walked in you know, good off fight. the street. Yeah, like 60 bucks for like ringside. It was awesome. Great fight. Oh, wow, mm-hmm. really? You went to that game. That was a good fight. I remember that. Yeah. Wasn't that a headliner on ESPN's Friday Night Fights, if I recall correctly? Yeah, yeah it isn't. Is that, isn't that uh, the night before a Gotti Ward fight? 
It was, yes, it was, like it was, it was the night before a fight weekend in Las Vegas, because I remember having to watch it when I got back home. Yeah, unbelievable fight. Yeah, it was like my well, first well, fight just, of the year that I ever attended. You know, just one comment on uh, Spence and Peterson on Saturday. I, I enjoyed the fight. I thought Spence looked excellent. Really like his skills. I hope he gets three fights a year. That would be great. Also want to speak well of Peterson's effort. Uh, he was outgunned, lost every round, but he was in there trying every round, and I really appreciated his trainer uh, taking the step he did. There was no way he could win, and there's no reason to have him keep getting taking the punishment. Uh, save yeah, him for I'm a listening. good retirement or another day, either one. But he Peterson has, could he still has, be a serviceable gatekeeper. If you let that thing go on, he, he just would have been broken down if that thing goes 10, 11, 12 rounds. Well, and he made for an interesting fight. It was, to me, it was a fun fight to watch uh, because you, you saw just how good Spence could be against a high-quality gatekeeper, if you will, but a gatekeeper that was in there trying to win. You know, he wasn't just protecting himself after he was getting banged badly to the body. So I really do appreciate what both of them did on Saturday night, and I really do appreciate uh, Peterson's trainer. He made a, I thought he made a great call doing what he did. No, there's no doubt so about it. Rate, Kudos but... to Barry Hunter. All right, well, listen, well, guys, uh, we appreciate you checking in, and please don't be a stranger there, Mr. Brown. All right, guys, bye. Take care. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, any more calls? Uh, there are. Sacramento is also home to one of the weirder careers. Uh, Willie Joran, remember that guy? Mm, kind of yeah, a... Willie Joran had a belt for yeah. a minute. Yeah, yeah, but he, but he was like kind of inactivity and just just strange. I knew a guy that that had a piece of him, as he, as he would say, uh, when I lived there. Nine oh nine. You're live on the next round. Hey guys, I just jumped in, um, but I don't know. Um, looking at looking at how Spence looked, I, I don't know what kind of style can defeat how well schooled he is. What, what could be his kryptonite? Well, Spence? movement. But again, can you move for 36 minutes? I think Crawford, tall, angular, athletic, creates distance. is very hard to hit. But again, we don't know anything about Terrence Crawford at 47. Let's see how this kind of develops the next 12 to 18 months. Or a guy that can take a shot and, and deliver one worse. You know, that could yeah. also be, you know, because we haven't really seen him in with a, a dangerous puncher or a guy with speed right. and power. You know, it's not always just the movers, but dudes that just, you know, uh, like Vernon Forrest just uh, was kryptonite for Shane Mosley. He could take his punch uh, and he could hurt him. He's taller. Uh, so maybe that, maybe a guy that's a little bit taller than him. Uh, but I think he's, you know, you look around the division and it's not, it, it's got some names to it, but it's not super deep. Uh, I wouldn't pick Danny Garcia to, to last the distance against Errol Spence. I'll tell you that. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. All right. That's all, man. All right. Cool. Thank you very much. Gabe, who's next? Uh, let's, let's try another um, unlisted number. Or actually, am I out of them? One more. Unlisted number. Hello? Or not. And seen, as we say. Uh, no, I think we've cleared yeah. the board, Steve, uh, at the uh, hour and a half mark, which is, you know, par for the course. It's technically uh, a day off for me today. So uh, 
I could use the rest. I just did like 20 hours of theater in the last two days. It's kind of insane. But I oh, wow. Okay, well, I tell you what. We've got <laughs> 91 minutes. Uh, there's no need, as they say, to suck uh, blood from a stone. Uh, we'll call it quits. And, uh, again, I'm going to say it right now. If Tiwa Kiram can take the punch, and physically he's as stout as he looks, and he's not overwhelmed by the moment, uh, as they say, there's a, there's a reason why you fight the fights. And, and like you said, yeah. Gabe, he's 35 years old. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of miles on that machine. And, you know, uh, have you made a pick? Do you, do you, Usyk or Bredas? I like Usyk. I think Usyk is going to do his usual job of just slapping the hell out of a guy and moving and winning rounds methodically. I like him by 12-round decision. Right. Oh, you know what? We got a 917, and it might be a mill car, so I'm going to go back to the wall. Okay, let's one try that time. one. All right, then. 917, you're live on the next round. Hey, guys, it's Joe in New York. How you doing, man? Hey, Joe! Welcome up? aboard. What's up, Joe? Uh, yeah, sorry, I'm not a meal car. I'm Joe instead, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but I'm also fun. As well. You are fun. Hey, guys. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So two things I wanted to uh, uh, say in regards to uh, uh, last weekend's card. Number one, um, you know, Mikey Garcia and his brain trust may not be handling his career the best, well, pretty much for a lot of his career. But I will say this. Anybody wants to say anything about Robert Easter and his chances competing with Mikey Garcia after his showing last week, better uh, start rethinking things because um, I really <laughs> well, you think know what, Mikey though? Garcia would you know what, Joe, I hard. absolutely agree. But Mikey yeah. Garcia then overthought it. He should have been the nope, guy to kidding. end that reign and take that belt. <laughs> He's sitting no out. Because Sergey Lipinitz, on a fight he shouldn't have had, also not fighting Linares, and then he watches Robert Easter, you know, kind of barely get by somebody he shouldn't have barely gotten by. So, you know, I don't know, man. He's he, it's it's crazy. But if they do get in the ring, though, uh, Robert Easter's got a lot of work to do, man. A lot of work. So yeah, it's, um, it's not, other, you know, guys who are are they who they are after a while and. You know, we always got to do the, you know, the trainer switch or, you know, he's got to go uh, hook up with Apollo Creed and, and uh, go to his gym and, and run on the beach or <laughs> right. something. But, you know, he's probably going to stay that guy. I, if I'm if I'm Mikey, you know, rather than push the fight, I, I don't know, you're, you're kind of stuck, actually. You're kind of married to the Lipinitz fight at this point. But, yeah, like Steve said, he's just absolutely outthought himself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, to go from Linares to, to Robert East to, to Lipinets and then to not even fighting, of course, you know, it was rescheduled and I, I get all that, but still, um, too many missed opportunities constantly for that guy, man, he's got to think. Anyway, uh, the other thing I, I did want to mention, uh, when they did mention a little talking about the uh, upcoming Hall of Fame class, and they brought up Steve Albert. I don't know if anybody said anything about this on the show because I just I just called in. But uh, you know, listening to them replay the Diego Corrales fight, and just listening to what I remember of just the the honest truth of that guy's announcing, no agenda, no vibe. You know, I remember checking out all the all the uh, Calzaghe fights in the early 2000s, and uh, Steve Albert was just so solid. And, you know, Moro does a good job. He's cool. He's a little scripted in his own mind. But, man, listening to that, just that clip was like, ah, yes, I did always used to enjoy uh, Steve Albert commentating back in the day. So congrats to him, man. 
Morrow just Al Albert, Steve Albert, and Marv Albert, the whole the, that whole clan, they were all very good at boxing. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. And it that it's pleasant to listen to. Uh, Morrow, nice guy, uh, but it's just kind of bombastic and, and the constant yes. trying to come up with the next a joke or a pop culture reference, like trying to be a part of the moment. Let the fight speak for itself. You know, it's like yeah. uh, uh, it's like a frustrated uh, you know writer will be like a critic, you know, and they, they, they put on all this. They try to be the show as opposed to just telling you if the show good or bad or what happened in the show. I just call the fight. Polly can, can kind of push a little bit much. It's like you're the expert, but like calm down and don't repeat yourself so much. Uh, yeah. It's, How many more know, times hard. do you have to say catch and shoot? Bernstein. Yeah. yeah. How many times are you going to say catch and shoot in a single freaking fight? Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, for bringing up the sparring with Conor McGregor, though, I, I will say that. Uh, uh, that's you so know, true. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, Joe, good, anything else we can do for you? That's it, guys, man. Just glad that the fights are going again, and uh, great to hear you guys back on the air again, man. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, and man. we wrap it Thanks. up here a tweet from Rob Miamadeus. Let's not forget, Mikey passed on a washed Kodo, and then Saddam Ali cashed in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I, I mean, he, he outthought himself there. Yeah. it's uh, He just needs to make a decision and go in there in that direction. I think if you're planning your flag, I mean, even the Lipinets fight, it's like, okay, you're going you're gonna to get that belt and then be there? Or like, you, you're going to go for Linares after that? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, I just think, to me, it's, it's, it, he thought the PBC was going to be a lot bigger than it was. And now he's kind of just... Uh, you know, chasing that that Floyd dream, or you know, trying to be the guy and 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 be like the 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 number one free agent out there, I guess. Uh, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard did it too. Didn't always have a promoter, right? But you know, he was Ray, Sugar Leonard. Ray Leonard either. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I know Ray Leonard. I grew up with Ray Leonard. Uh, Mikey Garcia <laughs> is no Ray Leonard. There's not a lot of Ray Leonards. A different time no. and place, and and he doesn't have a Mike trainer. Okay, that, that's another thing. Anyway, well, we'll wrap it up here tonight. That's it for this week's edition of the next round. On behalf of the Leave It in the Ring radio network and Gabriel Montoya, this is Steve Kim saying till next week, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>